Hello and welcome to the Glide TV Recaps, The Golden Girls. Today we are on Season 3, Episode 14, Blanche's Little Girl. Now, this episode originally aired on January 9th of 1988. So what other historical events have transpired on January the 9th? Well, back in 1522, Adrian F. Boyens is elected to this day the only Dutch Pope and is named Adrian VI. Uh, a slight leap ahead, in 1985, uh, Calgary sets the NHL record with their 264th straight regular season game without being shut out. In 1990, the United States Supreme Court strikes down Dallas's ordinance imposing strict zoning on sexually oriented businesses. Uh, in 2007, Apple announces their plans for their newest device, the iPhone. Oh boy. And our most recent event on January 9th of 2019, car manufacturer Hyundai unveils a model of a proposed walking car to be used by first responders in Las Vegas. Not quite sure what a, wa what a walking car means, walking. but... I don't know, but uh, they uh, unveiled a model of it. So uh, that's what's going on in history on January 9th. So why don't you tell us what transpired in this installment of the Golden Girls? Oh, boy. In this one, scene one starts in the kitchen. Dorothy and Rose and Sophia enters from the back door. She is in a cowgirl outfit. Sophia is apparently working at Pico's Pete's Chow Wagon, and she got docked a half day's wages for saying hello to the customer instead of howdy. You are supposed to say howdy, yes. She talks some more about working there. <clears throat> Blanche enters from the living room, and she just got a postcard from Rebecca, her daughter, who is coming to see her. They haven't seen each other in nearly four years. Blanche tells us about her daughter and how they parted, not on the best of terms. Rebecca went to Paris to be a model. Scene two, we're in the living room. Sophia on the phone making plans for a meeting to make demands to her boss. Rose is knitting and is starting to say something about St. Olaf, but Sophia makes sure she doesn't say much. Yeah, Dorothy comes out of the bedroom area and says she moved Sophia's stuff into her bedroom so Rebecca can stay in Sophia's room. Uh, Blanche comes out of the bedroom area also. Doorbell rings and Blanche can't answer it. She is quite nervous and heads to the kitchen. Sophia answers the door. Sophia can't believe she was a model unless it was for car covers. Yes, it was Rebecca at the door. We get more fat jokes. Um, and in my mind, Rebecca is big for a model, but she isn't all that fat, honestly. Blanche comes out of the kitchen. They talk and hug for a while. Then Blanche wants to show her where Rebecca will be staying so she can unpack. She shows Rebecca her bedroom. Apparently, Rebecca will be staying in Blanche's bedroom, and Blanche will be staying in Sophia's bedroom. Boy, what a change they made for this one. They talk in the bedroom, and Blanche wants her to lose weight, etc., of course. Scene three, we're back in the kitchen. Dorothy and Sophia... Sophia is talking about her meeting with her boss. It didn't go too well. 
All employees over 70 years of age are going out on strike. Blanche enters and says the lanai is all set and Rebecca should be there with Jeremy at any time. Yes, Blanche isn't even sure who Jeremy is or what the relationship is. The doorbell rings and Blanche goes to answer it. And yes, it is Rebecca and Jeremy. We quickly see Jeremy is not a nice young man. Scene four, we're in the living room. Dorothy, Sophia, and Rose enter from the kitchen and they decide it is time to go to the lanai. We get another instance of Jeremy being a jerk. Scene five, we're back in the living room. Everybody is coming back from the lanai. Jeremy insults Rebecca again. Rose, Dorothy, and Blanche go to the kitchen to get some coffee and put up the dishes from the lanai. In the kitchen, we get a talk about how Jeremy treats Rebecca. Sophia comes in the kitchen saying she had to get away from the talk about Jeremy and Rebecca getting married. Ooh, the conversation in the kitchen changes quickly. Blanche goes out to the living room and does get the word that Jeremy asked Rebecca to marry him. And she said, yes, yes, yes to the dress. Scene six, we're in the kitchen. Dorothy and Rose at the table and Blanche, Rebecca, and Jeremy enter. And those three are off to see the Dodgers baseball game. Rose begins to say, back in St. Olaf, and Dorothy goes off. Yeah, Sophia enters with two ladies and says she has been on strike for a week. And they are going to hold negotiations there in the kitchen. The doorbell rings. Dorothy leaves to answer the door. Dorothy comes back and says, Mr. McCracken's here. That is uh, Sophia's boss. He enters, and he is about 16 years old, and the studio audience gives a good laugh. Rose and Dorothy leave, and the negotiations begin. Sophia starts with a story. Picture it. Sicily, 1922. An attractive peasant girl who has saved her lira embarks on a glorious vacation to a Crimean resort on the Black Sea. For weeks, she frolics at the seaside resort and enjoys the company of many young men, all of whom adore her. All of them, yes. When it's time to return to Sicily, three different suitors beg her to stay. But she can't decide who to choose, so she chooses none of them. But she agrees to meet with them at the same resort many years later. To her trio of suitors, that eventful gathering was referred to as Rendezvous with Sophia. Yes, but to the rest of the world, it was better known as the Yalta Conference. Mr. McCracken is going to fire them, and no story is going to change his mind. Well, except for the story they may tell his father about how his car actually got dented. Yes, saved their jobs. Scene seven, we're in the living room. Dorothy and Rose are sitting on the couch. Blanche and Rebecca are entering from the bedroom area with Rebecca carrying some suitcases. She and Jeremy are apparently headed to the airport. The doorbell rings and it is Jer Jeremy gets in a few zingers and Blanche is tired of them. She has Rebecca go to the kitchen right now. Yeah, scene eight, we're in the kitchen. Blanche and Rebecca. Apparently Rebecca and Jeremy have been there for two weeks now. Boy, time flies when you're having fun. Blanche has held her tongue for those two weeks, but she just can't any longer. Rebecca wants a family, and Jeremy may be her last chance. Blanche tries to get her to realize that Jeremy is verbally abusing her, but doesn't really seem to get through to her. 
Rebecca leaves back to the living room with Blanche following. Rebecca and Jeremy exit through the front door without so much as a goodbye. Scene nine, we're in the kitchen. Sophia, Dorothy, and Rose sitting at the table discussing Blanche and how she is depressed. When Blanche comes in, they talk some more. Rose says she practiced the tuba when she was younger, three hours a day, seven days a week for 10 years. Okay, she can't play the tuba any longer, but she can blow 32 pounds of air into a tire in less than a minute. The doorbell rings, Blanche answers it, and yes, it is Rebecca. She realizes that Blanche was correct and that Jeremy was a jerk. Blanche and Rebecca start towards the kitchen where the girls are having a cheesecake, but they decide to go to the lanai instead. And scene 10, the final scene, we are at the front door. Rebecca is leaving. All four girls are there to say goodbye. And this episode ends as the three girls are sitting on the couch and Sophia is in the chair. Yes. Well, uh, we have a few references made throughout this episode. Uh, to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, which is a Western film from 1969, uh, which is loosely based on true events uh, from the Old West. Uh, we hear about sex toys, which of course is a object or device primarily used to facilitate human sexual pleasure. Uh, many popular toys are designed to resemble human genitals and may be vibrating or non-vibrating depending upon the model that you have purchased. Uh, moving on to um, the Allied Intelligence in World War II uh, which was the Allied Intelligence Bureau, a joint U.S., Australian, Dutch, and British intelligence and special operations agency during World War II, was primarily responsible for operating parties of spies and commandos behind Japanese lines in the Southwest Pacific Ocean. Uh, was formed in June of 1942, to coordinate the existing Allied propaganda and guerrilla organizations. Uh, conjoined twins uh, are identical twins that are joined in utero, an extremely rare phenomenon. Uh, the occurrence is estimated to range from 1 in 49,000 births to 1 in 189,000 births. Quite a range there. Uh, with a somewhat <laughs> higher incident in Southwest Asia and Africa. Uh, approximately half are stillborn and an additional third die within 24 hours. Uh, most live births are female with a ratio of 3 to 1. Uh, they were colloquially known as Siamese twins thanks to Chang and Ang Bunker who lived from 1811 to 1874. They were Thai in origin, born in Siam, which is now Thailand. Uh, they traveled widely for many years, uh, presumably, I'm guessing, in like circus sideshows, though it doesn't officially say that, uh, labeled and marketed as the Siamese Twins. Yes. Uh, they were joined at the torso by a band of flesh, cartilage, and their fused livers, uh, in modern times, they could have easily been separated. Uh, but due to the brothers' fame and the rarity of the condition, 
the term Siamese twin came to be used as a synonym for conjoined twins. Hmm. Uh, sherry is a type of wine made from white grapes grown near Jerez de la Frontera in Andalusia, Spain. Uh, Johnny Carson was a talk show uh, TV host guy. Uh, F. Murray Abraham uh, is an American actor. He became widely known during the 80s after winning an Oscar for his role as the lead character in Amadeus. Okay. Uh, he has appeared in many other roles, both leading and supporting in films such as All the President's Men, Scarface, the Brian De Palma one, uh, The Name of the Rose, Last Action Hero, Star Trek Insurrection, Finding Forrester, Inside Lewin Davis, and The Grand Budapest Hotel. And he is also known for his television and theater work and is a regular cast member on the TV series Homeland, which has earned him two Emmy nominations. Uh, so that is F. Murray Abraham. Uh, Tommy Lasorda is a baseball person who was a player and a coach as well. Um, Double Stuff Oreos uh, is a, obviously a variety of Oreo cookie that was first introduced in 1974 and has approximately double the normal amount of cream filling as the original Available with various different flavors of cream filling, original, chocolate, peanut butter, cool mint, and birthday cake. Uh, so that is double stuff Oreos. Uh, Crimea is, of course, a peninsula on the northern coast of the Black Sea in Eastern Europe. It is almost completely surrounded by both the Black Sea and the smaller Sea of Azov to the northeast. It is located south of the Ukraine. Uh, to which it is connected by the Isthmus of Perikop and west of Russia, from which it is separated by the Strait of Kerch, though linked by the Crimean Bridge. Uh, the Arabat Spit is located to the northeast, which is a narrow strip of land that separates a system of lagoons named Sivash from the Sea of Asav. Across the Black Sea to its west is Romania, and to the south is Turkey. Uh, the Yalta Conference, uh, which was also known as the Crimea Conference, uh, was held from February 4th through the 11th in 1945. It was the meeting uh, during World War II of the heads of government for the U.S., the U.K., and the USSR uh, to discuss the reorganization of Europe post-World War II. Uh, and that was what that was. Uh, and Marblehead Manor uh, is an American sitcom that ran for one season uh, on CBS, it looks like. Yes. Um, it aired for one season, uh, which concerned the goings-on at the estate of the wealthy, eccentric Randolph Stonehill, the heir to a corn oil fortune. Okay. Uh, so that ran for one season and got a mention here in this episode for wow. some reason. Uh, we have four side characters. Rebecca is played by Sean Sheps, known for her work in projects such as The Terminator, Weeds, The... Uh, oh, and then she wrote some other things. Uh, also uh, acted in, well, uh, not really much... Um, after Golden Girls, uh, so before it, she was in The Terminator, Family Ties, um, The Brady Bunch, 
uh, for an episode and something called Racing with the Moon. Uh, but she was apparently also uh, took up writing uh, and wrote some episodes. Uh, wrote <laughs> she wrote the screenplay for Encino Man. Uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, also wrote Jerumbeline and two episodes of Weeds as well. Huh. Okay. Um, Jeremy is played by Joe Rigalbuto, uh, known for his work in projects such as Raw Deal, uh, all 260 episodes of Murphy Brown. Uh, he appears in oh, yeah. as Frank Fontana. Uh, he's also in Lassiter and The Goodbye Girl. Uh, he also appeared on one episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. Um, do do do. Uh, McCracken, the manager. Uh, we have our first wild at side character credit is played by Scott Menville. Is in this episode. Uh, now, Scott Menville, uh, most will know as primarily a voice actor uh, for his role as Robin on the original Teen Titans as well as Teen Titans Go. Uh, he also does voice work on Young Justice, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He just provides additional various voice roles. Uh, World of Warcraft, the Spider-Man TV series. He voices Dr. Octopus. Uh, Troll Hunters, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV show, the new one, he voices Crankshaw and Crankshaw Jr., uh, Smurfs, the Emoji Movie, and, you know, he does a lot, lot, lot of voice work. Um, he also, let's see if I can find uh, any live action appearances uh, other than this one. Um, let's see, StarCraft 2, he does some voice work in, Batman the Brave and the Bold, um, he does the voiceover in The Time Traveler's Wife, uh, that movie, uh, Avatar, he voices, uh, Soka, uh, let's see, um, Land Before Time, uh, oh, he appears in Numbers for one episode, and then we're on, let's see, Final Fantasy twelve, Call of Duty 2, and the expansion. Um, oh, the Star Wars 3 video game. He voice, does some voice work in that one. A lot of the Metal Gear Solids. Um, uh, oh, that's animated as well. Okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Uh, we're going back into the 90s. Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego? Uh, oh, here we are. Here's our next uh, live-action role, I think. Uh, a film called Double Blind. He plays a waiter. Uh, but So Scott Menville, obviously, big uh, voice worker. Uh, and then Edna is played by Meg Wiley, who we discussed earlier this season, I do believe. Uh, she has appeared in The Last Starfighter, Marnie, Dragnet, uh, the movie, and Nothing in Common. Uh, she did appear, uh, earlier, yes, uh, the, the one where they're on the plane, she was the, uh, flight attendant, uh. that one, and she will appear <laughs> two more times in, ooh, that's probably season six or seven, 
Uh, she will appear twice in that season in two different roles. Uh, but that's Edna. Um, one new sexual partner established, sort of, uh, two Venezuelan soccer players for Blanche, uh, which brings our tally to Blanche 47, Dorothy 6, Rose 5, and Sophia 1. Uh, I have, technically, I have two notes from this episode. Uh, firstly, the costume designers, I think they, like, intentionally try to find the most delightful and adorable outfits every time they decide that Sophia has to have a job for some reason. Uh, whether it be uh, when she was, like, at the the pirate-themed uh, diner in that one episode with the theater actor. Yeah. Uh, or, or this one here. They, I think they just intentionally try to find the most adorable outfits possible to, to put Estelle Getty in. Okay. Um, and then that ending bit you mentioned, like, it was... I, don't, I didn't know what in the world was going on there. I did not understand the, the gag there, because there was some, like, joke... There was some visual gag they were trying to go for that I did not understand at all what was going on. Okay. At the end of this episode. Apparently you didn't either since you didn't bring it up, but No. Okay. Apparently not. I don't know. They were I did not get the, the ending gag at all in this episode. Huh. Okay. I didn't know there was one, I guess. Okay. Could have been. Uh <laughs> I I personally believe being Doctor Half Day's wage for saying hello instead of howdy is a bit of a stretch. I don't know, I think our labor laws might be a little more strict on that nowadays than they were back in 1980s, maybe. For Yeah, I was going to say, this is the Reagan era, so that sounds about right. So for, That sounds right to me. You know, 82 for an economic old, policy under, for a Reagan economic policy, that sounds about, that sounds feasible, sure. Yes, now if you want to think about this, I mean, I don't think about it too long, but I try not to with Golden Girls. You know, Sicily, uh, Sophia's picture at Sicily story again. Uh, 1922. She loves 1922 for some reason. Mm -hmm. Well, she was born in 1905, so that made her 17. Okay. Well, you know, I just don't like these where she's only 17 she saved her lira her entire life, which of course she's in a very poor village. Mm -hmm. But there's probably what like three. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. She embarks <laughs> on this glorious vacation, mm -hmm. and she apparently has um, frolics at this seaside resort for, her and enjoys the company of many different men. Uh huh. I'm like, wait, she's seventeen. Yeah, uh, I'm not seeing the issue here. Well, I don't know what the laws were in 1922 or okay. Italian laws or the law of that era, but uh -huh. uh, in America at this date, I think that is still uh, sex with a minor. So that, Depends on the state. So state-by-state state basis. Uh, you know. Uh, Depends on the state you're in. It's just a bit out there for me, but okay. oh well. Just the fact also that I mean, seventeen from a poor village. Uh, nah, sorry. 
Let's see, I'm not too concerned since her entire story is made up anyway, also. Well, yeah, I guess it's um, made up because then it was called the Yalta. Con- yeah, really uh-huh. sure it was. All right, kitchen observation. We started with a double tablecloth again. They, they like putting two up down there again. There's a light blue smaller one on the top. And when we start, there's a light brownish one on the bottom. Yes. But in scene three, it has changed to just one tablecloth, and it's a pink one. In scene six, one week later, it's still the same pink one. In scene eight, two weeks later, it's the same pink one. Yes. But in scene nine, it's, I don't know, the, the it's still pink, but it seems to be a bit darker for me. All right. My episode counts for this one. Picture it stories. There were one. There was one cheesecake eaten and one sport, baseball with Blanche, Becky, and Jeremy this time, which I don't think we ever see Jeremy again, and we shouldn't. Uh, I don't sure think we, we see Rebecca again I'm either. I'm not sure we see Becky again either. No. Uh, if so, it's not in uh, it's different actors if we do. Yeah, so my total counts so far for this series, we have five weddings, planned weddings, we have seven physical abuses a row, 17 St. Olaf stories, 12 picture stories now. We're up to nine cheesecakes eaten, seven Sicily Italian stories, 26 Sicily Italian references, 11 times the girls were mad at each other and not best friends were moving out, 18 sports, 20 games, and seven Stanley Zabornak appearances. This one's a pretty good episode. Uh, some of the fat jokes are not aged well i don't believe but a 77 out of 100 on this one well that'll do it for this episode of the glide tv recaps game uh the golden girls so thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed if you did make sure to subscribe to the channel for more great content like this and until the next episode good bye